Section five of Capital and Interest by Frederick Bastiat, read by Michel Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section five The Anecdotes Examined i maintain first of all that the sack of corn and the plain are here the type the model a faithful representation the symbol of all capital as the five liters of corn and the plank are the type the model the representation the symbol of all interest this granted the following are it seems to me a series of consequences the justice of which it is impossible to dispute first if the yielding of a plank by the borrower to the lender is a natural equitable lawful remuneration the just price of a real service we may conclude that as a general rule it is in the nature of capital to produce interest when this capital as in the foregoing examples takes the form of an instrument of labor it is clear enough that it ought to bring an advantage to its possessor to him who has devoted to it his time his brains and his strength otherwise why should he have made it no necessity of life can be immediately satisfied with instruments of labor no one eats planes or drinks saws except indeed he be a conjurer if a man determines to spend his time in the production of such things he must have been led to it by the consideration of the power which these instruments add to his power of the time which they save him of the profession and rapidity which they give to his labor in a word of the advantages which they procure for him now these advantages which have been prepared by labor by the sacrifice of time which might have been used in a more immediate manner are we bound as soon as they are ready to be enjoyed to confer them gratuitously upon another would it be an advance in social order if the law decided thus and citizens should pay officials for causing such a law to be executed by force i venture to say that there is not one amongst you who would support it it would be to legalize to organize to systematize injustice itself for it would be proclaiming that there are men born to render and others born to receive gratuitous services granted then that interest is just natural and lawful second a consequence not less remarkable than the former and if possible still more conclusive to which i call your attention is this interest is not injurious to the borrower i mean to say the obligation in which the borrower finds himself to pay a remuneration for the use of capital cannot do any harm to his condition observe in fact that james and william are perfectly free as regards the transaction to which the plane gave occasion the transaction cannot be accomplished without the consent of the one as well as of the other the worst which can happen is that james may be too exacting and in this case william refusing the loan remains as he was before by the fact of his agreeing to borrow he proves that he considers it an advantage to himself he proves that after every calculation including the remuneration whatever it may be required of him he still finds it more profitable to borrow than not to borrow he only determines to do so because he has compared the inconveniences with the advantages 
he has calculated that the day on which he returns the plane accompanied by the remuneration agreed upon he will have effected more work with the same labor thanks to this tool a profit will remain to him otherwise he would not have borrowed the two services of which we are speaking are exchanged according to the law which governs all exchanges the law of supply and demand the claims of james have a natural and impassable limit this is the point in which the remuneration demanded by him would absorb all the advantage which william might find in making use of the plane in this case the borrowing would not take place william would be bound either to make a plane for himself or to do without one which would leave him in his original condition he borrows because he gains by borrowing i know very well what will be told me you will say william may be deceived or perhaps he may be governed by necessity and be obliged to submit to a harsh law it may be so as to errors in calculation they belong to the infirmity of our nature and to argue from this against the transaction in question is objecting the possibility of loss in all imaginable transactions in every human act error is an accidental fact which is incessantly remedied by experience in short everybody must guard against it as far as those hard necessities are concerned which force persons to burdensome borrowings it is clear that these necessities exist previously to the borrowing if william is in a situation in which he cannot possibly do without a plane and must borrow one at any price does this situation result from james having taken the trouble to make the tool does it not exist independently of this circumstance however harsh however severe james may be he will never render the supposed condition of william worse than it is morally it is true the lender will be to blame but in an economical point of view the loan itself can never be considered responsible for previous necessities which it has not created and which it relieves to a certain extent but this proves something to which i shall return the evident interests of william representing here the borrowers there are many jameses and planes in other words lenders and capitals it is very evident that if william can say to james your demands are exorbitant there is no lack of planes in the world he will be in a better situation than if james's plane was the only one to be borrowed assuredly there is no maxim more true than this service for service but let us not forget that no service has a fixed and absolute value compared with others the contracting parties are free each carries his requisitions to the farthest possible point and the most favorable circumstances for these requisitions is the absence of rivalship hence it follows that if there is a class of men more interested than any other in the formation multiplication and abundance of capitals it is mainly that of the borrowers now since capitals can only be formed and increased by the stimulus and the prospect of remuneration let this class understand the injury they are inflicting on themselves when they deny the lawfulness of interest when they proclaim that credit should be gratuitous when they declaim against the pretended tyranny of capital when they discourage saving thus forcing capitals to become scarce and consequently interests to rise third 
the anecdote i have just related enables you to explain this apparently singular phenomenon which is termed the duration or perpetuity of interest since in lending his plane james has been able very lawfully to make it a condition that it should be returned to him at the end of a year in the same state in which it was when he lent it is it not evident that he may at the expiration of the term lend it again on the same conditions if he resolves upon the latter plan the plane will return to him at the end of every year and that without end james will then be in a condition to lend it without end that is he may derive from it a perpetual interest it will be said that the plane will be worn out that is true but it will be worn out by the hand and for the profit of the borrower the latter has taken into account this gradual wear and taken upon himself as he ought the consequences he has reckoned that he shall derive from this tool an advantage which will allow him to restore it in its original condition after having realized a profit from it as long as james does not use this capital himself or for his own advantage as long as he renounces the advantages which allow it to be restored to its original condition he will have an incontestable right to have it restored and that independently of interest observe besides that if as i believe i have shown james far from doing any harm to william has done him a service in lending him his plane for a year for the same reason he will do no harm to a second a third a fourth borrower in the subsequent periods hence you may understand that the interest of a capital is as natural as lawful as useful in the thousandth year as in the first we may go still further it may happen that james lends more than a single plane it is possible that by means of working of saving of privations of order of activity he may come to lend a multitude of planes and saws that is to say to do a multitude of services i insist upon this point that if the first loan has been a social good it will be the same with all the others for they are all similar and based upon the same principle it may happen then that the amount of all the remunerations received by our honest operative in exchange for services rendered by him may suffice to maintain him in this case there will be a man in the world who has a right to live without working i do not say that he would be doing right to give himself up to idleness but i say that he has a right to do so and if he does so it will be at nobody's expense but quite the contrary if society at all understands the nature of things it will acknowledge that this man subsists on services which he receives certainly as we all do but which he lawfully receives in exchange for other services which he himself has rendered that he continues to render and which are quite real inasmuch as they are freely and voluntarily accepted end of section five the anecdotes examined